to another episode of The Raven Geeks, the official geek culture podcast of CM Life. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Tiemann. I am Farhan Coleman. Hi, I'm Jeremy Augusta. And we are back after a little hiatus with a bunch of news. Uh, we're fresh out of the Super Bowl, so we're going to touch on some of that stuff. But first, uh, this has been one of the big things floating around like the past couple days. Ben Affleck, he's been in, he's been out, he's been back in again as Batman, and now he's gone for good. He will not be playing Batman in... Matt Reeves is the Batman in like 2021. So, yeah, this news doesn't really He's come out. as a shock to anybody considering how back and forth this whole thing has gone. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember a few years ago at Comic Con, there was that whole speculation that he was officially going to be gone. And he kind of went on stage and sort of debunked that rumor, but at the same time, kind of didn't. And then we've just gone back and forth with this whole issue of whether he's going to be in, whether he's going to be out, whether the Matt Reeves Batman is either going to take place with Ben Affleck or if it's going to be a prequel with a younger uh, actor. So it's it's been a very weird situation, that whole, like, whether Ben Affleck is going to be playing Batman or not. And I think it's good that he's finally out because mm-hmm. in order to build a cinematic universe, the person that you have playing Batman needs to be solidified. It shouldn't be, uh, you know, questioning whether or not we're going to have that person as Batman or not. That's not mm-hmm. at all going to work. So I think it's good for DC that they can finally just move on, cast somebody new. Who that will be, I'm not sure. Um, I don't really have anybody in mind. There's no, at least for me, there's no one that comes to mind like immediately that would be able to fill that role. They need to pick someone who I think is either having having a drought in their career or is relatively unknown. Because that's kind of how Marvel struggled with Robert Downey Jr. Because at that time in his career, he was like not doing anything, and they picked him and then made him their superstar. Right. And I think they kind of have to do the same thing with with the face of their franchise, and that's Batman. And Ben Affleck, at least looking at interviews, it seemed like he wasn't really ha- excited to be Batman. Not at all. No. Especially in that first one, or in the Batman versus Superman, where they were talking about the reviews, and he just looked really so sad. sad. <laughs> he d- it, d- it didn't look like his heart was in it, and I think that's really a shame, because somebody who... Somebody who really did like Batman and who, who really cared for it and had some leverage could have made that character a lot better than it turned out to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think Ben Affleck's Batman was bad, actually, to be honest. I actually thought he was fairly decent. I just think some of the material he was given to work with was a little lackluster. Mm-hmm. And I think as a result, uh, his character appeared to be not as great as it could have been. I think a Ben Affleck Batman in the right hands could have been great. But because it's, you know, maxed into one very bad film and one subpar film in Justice League, we kind of didn't really get to see his full potential as that character, which sucks. But I think at this point, it's probably a good idea that he moves on and that DC goes on and finds someone else. Right. But my only question is, where does this fit into your actual universe now? Because we've already had, what he's appeared in, what, three films as Batman? He was in Suicide Squad, yep. BBS, and Justice League. So where do you go from here now to where you're going to have this new actor? Are they just going to just plug in someone new and just say this is the same Batman we've had and just keep it going? Or is this sort of like a soft reboot in a way? Thankfully, I think they're doing what... I know we talked about this, and it's what a lot of people have been saying, where DC needs to stop trying to follow the Marvel blueprint because they already missed the boat, mm-hmm. and they need to do these in-universe like stories and, and kind of episodes. Like, what if we go to this time and look at this? And that's really where they can do good. Like right. Aquaman and uh, Wonder Woman are really good examples of doing self-contained stories that can be used to play into something bigger, but don't have that ingrained and written in from the beginning. And I think that's kind of where they're going to take Batman and maybe, maybe eventually they can come back to these things, but seeing what they're doing with Joker and, and hopefully what they do with Batman in the future can really make 
good movies as opposed to garbage that they just shit out onto the screen. Right. Now, I, I'm already tired of Twitter picking their fan cast for Batman. In the past like week, I've seen everybody from Army Hammer Ugh. to Michael K. Williams. Wasn't Army Hammer like, to, originally supposed to play Batman? He was like going to be Batman in George Miller's Justice League, yeah, I that think. Guy's and that's yeah. not bad casting. And like they were really close to making that, and it fell through, which is kind of a bummer. But I, he'd be okay. But it's like everybody is picking everybody to be Batman at mm-hmm. this point. Like, just stop. Like, Robert Pattinson was the one I saw today on Twitter. Like, Yikes. no. He's not going to be Batman. Stop that. I think when it comes out, it'll be someone we didn't expect. Yeah. Someone we don't know. Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably best to go with either, like you said, like an unknown or someone who we haven't seen on screen in a while. I think the character of Batman, we've seen him in so many different incarnations on screen. I think they need to do something to sort of differentiate this version from all the others, which is going to be very difficult to do. Make it a woman. Let's go. We're going Batwoman. I think actually Joss Whedon's in, isn't Joss Whedon in talks to direct that or he's on board to he direct that? He was going to do Batgirl and I think that fell through after he made Justice League mm-hmm. and everybody saw what Justice League yeah. was and they're like, you're not going to do this for us. Down. Goodbye. So yeah, DC, good stuff in flux as always. So this next thing, I'm going to kind of run into it. I'm going to like read off this like cast and director and then we'll kind of talk about it. So. Directed by Denis Villeneuve, who did Blade Runner 2049. Oh, I already know what Sicario. this is. <laughs> okay, so here's the cast. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, I like him. Javier Bardem. Rebecca Ferguson. Stellan Skarsgård. Uh, Dave Bautista. Oscar Isaac and Zendaya. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Dune. Dune. Yeah. So this is like... I'm on board. I'm super on board. I've, I only have like a really vague idea of what Dune is. It's like a sci-fi franchise, I guess, on some planet... That's all sand. Like, I tried to yeah, read the books. And it's I been a while. I've only seen the movie, like the original. I, I can't remember exactly what year it came out. David Lynch one. Yeah, the uh, yeah the one with um. David had, Lynch uh, has a Dune movie. I bet it's real slow. It's very odd. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, it's a very very <laughs> weird. <laughs> it's a very weird movie. I'm about to Kyle try McLaughlin, to. Kyle McLaughlin, the guy from Twin. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say. I'm gonna go say, home and watch this. Name names escaping me. But yeah, Kyle McLaughlin's in it. It's um, on Amazon. A few other people you might recognize. I believe um, his name is escaping me right now. Uh, Patrick Stewart, he was in it as well. Max von Sydow. Uh, so some familiar names in that one. Mm-hmm. It was a very, very strange movie. I don't remember a whole lot from it because it's been years since I've seen it. I just remember it being, you know, those movies you just watch, you're trying to, like, follow it as much as you can. Yeah. But you're also just, like, it's kind of hard, too, because you're trying to, like, wrap your head around what's going on in that particular scene, and you have no clue. Mm-hmm. That's how I would describe the original Dune. So when they brought in Denis Villeneuve to do this reboot, I was really trying to figure out what direction he's going to take it in, because Denis Villeneuve himself has made some very odd and strange and out-there films. Mm-hmm. So I'm very curious to see how this is going to play with a modern audience. But Denis Villeneuve is a phenomenal director, so if you attach him to anything, I'm automatically going to be interested. I'm on and that board. cast is ridiculous. The cast is really great. I think we we could do with another sci-fi epic that's not Star Wars. Yeah, because honestly, like the sci-fi genre, it's like Star Wars, obviously, Star Trek, kind of. But like, what else have we gotten? It's been like a big mainstay. I have one for you. Let me pull it up because I already forgot the name. Oh, what is it? Um, it's in theaters right now. David Cameron's connected to it. Oh, uh, Alita? Alita, uh, Warrior, Battle Angel, Angel. Battle Angel like or something like, like that? anime. Is it? I don't know. It's I like based it. on a manga or whatever. I watched the trailer, but that, it looks sci-fi. Yeah, it looks kind of cool, but it, it bombed. Did it? Yeah, I, yeah I, I'll talk did. about it later, but it bombed. <laughs> okay. That's unfortunate. It looked good. I'll, I might see it. But yeah, point is, looks really cool. Uh, I'm on board. 
I've never heard anything about it, so I'll go in with like an open mind. It sounds cool. Like sand, there's like sand worms and stuff. Yeah, and that, it's, that's it's kind of like Game of Thrones sci-fi stuff. Um, because it, it's like fam, like warring families on like a planet, and yeah. there's like nobles and stuff. Yeah, well, I I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I can't make that connection. But <laughs> I was yes, that's an accurate but, description, yeah. kind of what the story is about. But it's it's very. If anything, if it's going to be anything like the original, it's going to be very odd, and I'm just very curious okay. to see how that's going to play with a modern audience. I'll watch anything with Timothy Clement. But yeah, it. Timothy Chalamet is amazing. Is that how you it say was, it? Yeah, Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet Clement. Yeah, I've never heard that loud before. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, with just, I really liked Blade Runner 2049, so I'm interested. More sci-fi stuff. Yeah, Denis Villeneuve is sort of, he's batting a thousand right now. I, mm-hmm. He has not made a bad film yet of all the films of his I've seen. Only film of his that I've personally seen that I could say was maybe if he was enemy. And that's only because I was literally confused from start to finish. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was a bad film. I hated the newest season. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of David Lynch still. Continue. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Uh, next thing. We got a couple trailers, actually, because one, one was before the Super Bowl and one was during the Super Bowl. For Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw with, with The Rock and Jason Statham. That's probably and the smartest spinoff they could possibly do. Yeah. So I watched the I watched the first trailer, and I watched it, and, and it, I was hit with an epiphany. Because before this, I said, I hate Fast and Furious. It's dumb. And I, like, I, I went to eight, dragging my feet and rolling my eyes and blah, blah, blah. But I watched this trailer, and I realized I don't hate Fast and Furious. I hate Vin Diesel. I hate Vin Diesel. I, I, have the, I had the exact same <laughs> I hate same Vin thought. Diesel, yeah. and I hate Ludacris, and I hate Tyrese, and I hate all these... They're just annoying, and uh, I'm aware that The Rock is, and Statham are also bald, but it's just a bunch of bald men sliding around on cars <laughs> and blowing shit up, and they're not particularly likable, but these guys I literally, are likable. I had the same reaction. I was like... Oh wait! I don't have to hear Vin Diesel's stupid accent for two hours. I might actually <laughs> or watch his one-liners this. that yeah. make you cringe. Yeah, uh, they're always bad. <laughs> so, uh, I'm I'm a bit more excited for this. It looks over the top and ridiculous, and Idris Elba is super powered, and he's like, "That's what the I shit was like." Oh, this movie doesn't care. I didn't but. know what this was when I saw Idris Elba. Yeah. I was like, "This looks cool." Like they're gonna show me the whole movie from the bad guy's perspective, and then yeah. I saw um, Jason Statham. And I was like, "Oh, never mind. This is the Hobbs and Shaw movie." <laughs> So, yeah, no, when they when I saw that they were actually giving um, Idris Elba superpowers, I was like, oh, they've officially lost it now. They're jumping the shark. <laughs> like they, they they've always Fast and Furious is always like like you know going off that line of being completely unrealistic, but at the same time, sort of I don't want to say being grounded in reality. But they have never introduced anything supernatural. It's like mm-hmm. everybody, into the franchise at like all. Like their superpower is just being incredibly lucky all the time. Yeah, and that everybody has that. And now we have like people with actual superpowers. Actual, so I was like, okay, well, I mean, you might as well at this point, considering yeah. Vin Diesel in those films is damn near Superman. I mean, the man can't be hurt by anything. The Rock can't be hurt by anything, and Jason Statham is Jason Statham. Mm-hmm. So the the way those films have gone up to this point, I think is good that we get, like you said, a refresh, sort of a break away from Vin Diesel and Ludacris and Tyrese, who, in my opinion, I I sort of disagree. I don't think that they're like bad. Like I, I do, I, I think that the Fast Furious movies, there is fun to be had there if you just go mm-hmm. turn your brain off. Yeah. Because they know what they are. They understand that they're stupid, fun popcorn films, and they don't try to be anything more than that. But this, I think, could be something a little bit better just because of the chemistry that The Rock and Jason Statham, I feel, are going to have on mm-hmm. screen. Yeah. This can be something, at least, in my opinion, of much better quality. That is very fair. I'm, ex- I'm actually kind of excited for this one. Vin Diesel's got to go make more uh, Riddick movies. <laughs> Did you know his name is um, Richard B. Riddick? 
his, his real name, name is in the movie. His name is Richard B. Riddick, which goes. It's his name is Dick Riddick. Dick Riddick. Okay. Canonically. Interesting. You can quote me on that. Okay, I will. All right. So, um, speaking of the Super Bowl, which gave us a Hobson Shaw trailer, we also got some other trailers during the Super Bowl. Uh, the, I actually missed it because I was like coming from uh, Saginaw because I took my girlfriend to go take one of her tests. So we came back and got back right before the game started, but we missed the teaser for Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. And it was about 30 seconds, which honestly I'm happy with. Just mm-hmm. give me little snippets. I and, have a theory. Okay. And at the beginning of this, at the beginning of that trailer, they all of the images are in black and white and it cuts to like a bunch of different heroes. Yep, all the ones that died. Every, and yeah, and everything's black and white except the red. Yep. Which led me to investigate which Infinity Stone was red and I think it's the Reality Stone. Yes, in the MCU it's reality. Which uh, crazy conspiracy theory here might be them hinting that that is going to be the key of getting those people back. Okay. Also. Just uh, like they're gonna... I, that's them teasing, like okay. like the red symbolism. I don't know anything else about it. That's my guess. <laughs> okay, and it's vague enough where it's possible. It's vague enough to where it's mm. possible. I like that. I think there is definitely a character that has been CGI'd out of that trailer. You think Captain Marvel is CGI'd out? It's yeah, gonna, it's absolutely. Some people said Captain Marvel, or um, a lot of people are saying like Professor Hulk, because there was concept art of like the Hulk yeah. in like a big jumpsuit. So it's mm-hmm. like Bruce Banner and the Hulk have like reconciled. So now. He's always Hulk, but he has Banner's brain, so he's smart. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're thinking that. Empty to me, and that's a that would have been a good shot to put in the Hulk because we know that they like going on space adventures together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and I do believe the shot of Thor. He was on the planet that Thanos was on at the end. Of the that's Infinity what I War. thought as well. So yeah, yeah so we we got little snippets of everything. I do, if I'm remembering correctly, someone said I believe it was one of the Russo brothers said that the, all the marketing material from Avengers Endgame would be just the first what was it 30 minutes of the movie 20 to 30 yeah. minutes. 20 and 30 I really minutes. like that's that. Incredible. So that's me. a very interesting way to market a film that at the same time it's Avengers Endgame, yeah. so you don't really have to do a whole lot of marketing for like it. They you know gotta, they're going to put butts yeah, in seats. You just regardless. have to tell people it's coming out and they'll be there. I'm so excited. So I'm glad we got to see a little bit more of what the world looks like now that half the population is missing. Everything just sort of looks like just gone and barren and just sad destroyed and, and there's like depressing. support groups for like what do you do after half of yeah, your family like America sitting in like what will look like a support group like an sort AA of like a, meeting yeah, for yeah. people who survived the snap it was yeah. very like dark and grim and i really liked that mm-hmm. tone for an avengers trailer which we sort of got that in the first age of ultron trailer and everyone thought oh this is going to be a really dark film and then we got to it and it's like okay not really the robot was just tony yeah. stark but metal pretty much i'm kind of hoping that this is actually a more I mean, obviously, in Marvel films, there are going to be moments of lightheartedness, but I'm actually hoping this is a darker Avengers film, given the nature of what just happened. Yeah, I think it's it's not going to be completely dark because they have Ant Man in it. Yeah, he's going to be he's going to be the the comedian. Yeah, like I said, there's going to be moments of lightheartedness because it is Marvel. Funny at all? You don't? No, I love Paul Rudd. (laughs) I do not like Paul Rudd. In this house, we. I think his funniest movie. His funniest movie is What Hot American Summer. I love Paul Rudd. I love Ant-Man. If you've never seen What Hot American Summer, you should, that's his funniest role. My roommate watched Ant-Man and the Wasp the other day, and he was like, I hated it. It was so stupid. It was like, that's it. We're fighting. <laughs> that's it. We're fighting. You leave Ant-Man alone. He's a treasure, and his best power is that he's a cool dad. Uh, I haven't else? seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, and I don't want to. You probably, you probably don't. Wouldn't like I find it. it interesting we actually still haven't seen, actually seen Thanos, because in the first trailer, we just saw the glove, and then yeah. this trailer, he doesn't appear at all. I wonder why they're not showing him. It's not like we didn't just see a you know, mm-hmm. almost three hour movie fully of him, you know, killing people. Yeah. So I just find that interesting that they're omitting him out. Captain Marvel, I understand, but mm-hmm. I think they're going to take their time showing him in the movie too. 
Yeah. And they want to build that tension now. Because, because they know that people like people are having this conversation. Yeah, they want Let's the last Thanos. thing you remember is him sitting on that planet. Yeah. And they want to surprise you mm-hmm. with however they get they're gonna reveal it. Yeah. Um what else what else did we get during the Super Bowl? We got a Captain Marvel trailer. There was a weird of, Game of Thrones trailer. Yeah, I like that. Me too. Um the Captain Marvel trailer was more of the same. Yeah, it's pretty much yeah. just recycled footage of stuff you've already seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Her I, punching that spaceship was pretty damn cool. Though. That is cool. Yeah, at this point, it's just we're just sort of waiting for that movie to come out. Just as, I don't want to call it a placeholder for Endgame, but at the same time, we're kind of just hoping to see. It's what like an appetizer. End, yeah, yeah, almost. And I don't want to say that about Captain Marvel, considering how powerful of a character she is and considering how different this might be from other MCU films, considering the time period it takes place and the nature of her powers. But... It, I mean, it is sort of like the, okay, this is the thing you're going to have as a placeholder before we get to Endgame, which I don't mind because I think Captain Marvel is, like, probably the most badass character we've gotten on screen up to this point out of all the MCU characters. Just, like I said, given the nature of her ability, the right. fact that Kevin Feige described her as the most powerful character that we've introduced She's to this their point. Superman. So, they, essentially, she is their Superman. And in the MCU sort of sense, there are obviously mm. more powerful characters in the comics. But to see... Sort of how, like, they actually sort of explore the cosmic world of Marvel a little bit more, sort of see more about the Kree and actually see scrolls on screen for the first time. That, I think, should be enough to get people into Endgame. And, you know what I'm saying? I don't think they need to show a whole lot more from that film at all. So the fact that they just had recycled footage, I think, should do for now. Right. Are they going to refer to as Captain Marvel in-universe? Um, I don't know. Because that's—it's weird to name your character after your company. And not have anything else in that universe be called Marvel. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I don't think any Marvel who, movie uses the word Marvel. And if they name this character, like, the character is named Captain Marvel. So they're going to have to keep referring to her as that. That just seems strange to me. I believe, actually, I'm pretty sure her name comes from Marvel, who's the, I'm forgetting. He's, he's a Cree who. Yeah, like, he's they're probably going to explain this. Yeah, in yeah. Little, explain yeah. I don't think her name is like actually a, like a connection to Marvel, the company, but it's like, like, like another character in that universe named Marvel. Right. If I'm remembering correctly, I'm not like, you know, a Captain Marvel expert, so I'm not sure. But I'm my understanding either, of it, that is how, where the name comes from. Yeah. Um, so moving on, we got, like you said, we got a Game of Thrones trailer that, oh, yeah, we, thought that was a blood, we thought was a Bud Light trailer. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. Me too. Because I've been re-watching through Game of Thrones, like in preparation for it, and then like they were jousting, and I was like, I'm at the point in Game of Thrones where it's like the first few seasons, so there's still tournaments for the king's name, his name yeah. day, or whatever. And like the the Bud Knight gets dehorsed, and I was like, oh man, he got dehorsed. You're gonna, and then uh, it's the mountain, I was like, oh boy. You're gonna have another, you're gonna have to go back and rewatch that trailer after you finish season four. Five? Season four or five? Well, I mean, I've watched it already. Oh, okay. Where yeah. he's eyeing the guy, yeah. where he's just thumbing the guy's <laughs> eyes out. I was like, oh man, this is going to be graphic. Yeah. And then they cut away. And I was like, thank God, because I didn't like the original either. <laughs> and then the, the lady up in the stands does the, the face <sighs> grab, like, like the lady. It's the best. I, I, I really like that. Yeah. That was That's great. Like, that's a weird combination of properties I would have never mm-hmm. seen coming Bud Light and Game of Thrones, but it's it worked stuff. really well. Um, what else did we get? We got a trailer for Handmaid's Tale season three. Have you guys watched that? I watched the first season of Handmaid's Tale and I had to give up because it was too dark and I didn't want too dark. Really? I yeah, just it was too finished, dark for me. I just finished the first season. So we also yeah. got a Toy Story four yes. snippet. I wouldn't, I would not even call that a trailer. I'll just call that like, no. that was like a it's, thing. It's yeah. oh no, Buzz is trapped at the fair. It was basically yeah, a title sucks. card. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. I'm still interested to see what Keanu Reeves' character is going to be. Somebody said he's going to be like an action figure. 
I hope so. Yeah, action would, man, action figure. That would probably be the best, su- the best suit for him. Probably like something similar to John Wick yeah. or some other martial arts character that seems to fit. He's him the literally best. like a John Wick action figure. He's gonna protect Slinky. That would actually. Now that you said that, yes, I want him to be a John Wick action. He's figure. gonna protect Slinky with his life. <laughs> he's a dog. So oh, yeah, that, that, that's actually really good. I bet he he's, does do that. He that's sees hilarious. the dog and gets like this thousand yard stare, and he's yeah. like, "I have to protect." I you. can. That's gonna be hilarious if yep. you predict that. We also got another trailer for us. Still spooky. I'm really excited for that. Yeah, no, Jordan Peele, I don't know where this came from, like this hidden skill he has to creep people out, but I'm glad <laughs> I'm we're seeing it on screen now. Yeah, he's yeah. also going to host Twilight Zone. They're bringing back the Twilight that Zone. I, saw that. I was super excited for. Yeah, so that'll be cool. You know, us looks incredible. Like the vibe from Get Out seems very similar. So I don't know, like, if he continues to, you know, direct these types of horror films, he's probably going to have to switch up the style a little bit. Unless he actually wants it to be like, you know, you see that type of style on screen and you know this is a Jordan Peele directed film. Right. I just feel like at some point he's going to have to switch it up. But for now, you know, second film in, it worked perfectly. Go for it, yeah. Um, On the topic of horror, uh, Guillermo del Toro is directing Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And that looks really good. Like all of the the monsters and stuff are like right out of the books. Did you ever read those as a kid? I don't think I did, no. But Guillermo del Toro does have a special talent for bringing creatures on screen. As as we've seen in his previous however many films, that man has a very special talent for making creatures feel almost like... It doesn't look like you're looking at CGI when you're you're watching his film. So anything with him and creatures, I think, will work out just fine. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but those books were in my elementary school library. Yeah, me too. That's a terrible... They were good. I remember reading them. They were horrifying. Yeah, they're scary. Yeah. Um, My one complaint is apparently it's going to be more of like, you know those Goosebumps movies? Yeah. Where it's like, oh, the monsters, they're in the uh, world. with Jack Black? Yeah. Okay. Like, oh, the monsters, they're in the world now. That, I think... I heard the, that's the route that this is going to be taking rather than like I was thinking, oh, it's going to be like a bunch of anthologies. That's what I He's thought He's just as taking well. the, the stories and putting them on screen. But apparently it's going to be more of like a group of kids like in it mm. and all these events are happening. And I just hope to, it's at least rated PG-13. Yeah. Or R, hopefully. Like I hope this is genuinely scary stuff. Mm-hmm. And like he, the stuff he does is scary. Like um, what's the like the most famous movie? Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. I got about three fourths the way into one night. And, like, some of the scenes in that creepy. are pretty creepy. So I, I think you can do a good job with it. Yeah. Um, and I think the last trailer on here that's relevant to us, you mentioned Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> okay, so Alita Battle Angel is a movie kind of based on an anime. It has um, Christoph Waltz. It has the black dude from the newest season of True Detective whose name is escaping Marshall me. Marshall Ali. Yes, that one. Um, now, I... Before I knew anything else about this, before I knew how it performed, there's a video of um, Christoph Waltz, Christopher Waltz, Christoph Waltz, doing an interview, and he refuses to answer any of the journalist's questions, which made me think, hmm, he really doesn't want to talk about this movie, and this might be a Ben Affleck symptom where he, it's really bad, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't want, like, he was like, oh, go watch the movie. I don't want to talk about my character. And he just refused to answer any questions. And then I read a follow-up article that said the movie's currently bombing in the box office, and it's only made about a third of its money back. Where's Where's it out at? I don't. I didn't think it was out in it's the States out yet. domestically, really? apparently. Yeah. I, I guess. I've been told it, it got somewhat positive reviews, but it's, it's bombing box office-wise. Um, kind of a bummer. Yeah. It might not be out everywhere, but I know where it's out. It's not doing as well as it... Uh, was expected to. Yeah. Um, 
They kicked it back for a Valentine's Day release, so the movie's been delayed. Yeah, it's been delayed a lot. Yeah, so they wanted uh, to put it out around Valentine's Day, but I know either box office where it's out so far or box office estimates are down. I guess they established that through pre-ticket sales and reservations and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the movie's probably going to be really bad. Uh, That's my, kind of a bummer. My roommates, good. for some reason, are really, really excited for it because they... I think they're memeing and that I think I told them it was going to be terrible and they really will. They really want to see it, but maybe I'll be dragged to go see it. And in which case I'll let you guys know how it is. But yeah, that's, that's Anita battle angel. For some reason, James Cameron's attached to it. Yeah. I, I might, know, I might on. go see it. I yeah. don't know. James Cameron is like the only person that's not affected by uncanny Valley. Like, you know, what uncanny Valley is. Yeah. I know what uncanny, uncanny Valley is like, it, it looks kind of weird, but it's like you go into it with the knowledge that like, this is based on an anime. And she's got like just big anime girl eyes, and other I think than that, it's like okay. Everything James Cameron touches turns to basically just a CGI fest. Mm, that, so, is, that is fair. Yeah, I need a bell angel. <laughs> You're welcome. Avatar two, the way of water, or whatever. Did you have anything else about Super Bowl, or did you like um, me to get into gaming? I'm not happy about the SpongeBob thing, but no, whatever. we can talk about that too because I knew that would have been too good to be true. For those of you who don't know, I don't know who wouldn't know this. But there was a movement once Squid once it was announced that Squidward's voice actor would be doing something in relation to the Super Bowl. Well, it was because Steven Hillenberg died. Yes. The yeah. creator of SpongeBob died, and then they wanted to play an homage, I guess, and they got the voice actor for Squidward. And everybody went, They're gonna play the the SpongeBob like rock Sweet song. Victory, Sweet yeah. victory. And they didn't do that. They played about 30 seconds of it. <laughs> they used Squidward to or they played about three seconds of it. They used Squidward to announce Travis Scott, which had a hilarious CGI astro like asteroid intro over Atlanta and then into the stadium mm. and Travis Scott sounded terrible and it was a train wreck. Uh I loved every second of it. I couldn't believe it was happening. I don't know. I was I guess I got too caught up in the memes and the hype. My draw was but, on the floor. Yeah, no, it's shocking to me to actually hear Travis Scott sound bad. I didn't think that was possible and then I saw that and I was like this is probably Oddly enough, the most entertaining thing to happen in this game so far, and it's by far the worst. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's really all I had, because I don't really follow rap, other than Sicko Mode is like a meme song. Yeah, Sicko Mode is like a pretty decent song, and then it got memed to death by dank memes on Reddit. (laughs) The the set today is Sicko Mode, followed by Mobamba, followed by Sicko Mode, followed by Mobamba for three hours. Yeah, those two songs have gotten (laughs) memed to death. Yeah. Um, I'll talk about gaming yeah, because right now that. Uh, video games are broken. So EA put out a demo for their game Anthem, which plays a lot like Destiny, and it's got pretty decent uh, re- reviews so far, except for the fact that every part of it was glitched and broken. So, for example, one of the most popular bugs was in unlimited loading time. So when it got to the end of a loading bar, it would just stay there forever. Love that. Uh, sometimes when people would turn off their PCs, the game wouldn't let them alt tab and it wouldn't let them close the game. What? Uh, a channel I watched called the Funhouse. Two of their PCs were broken running it. One of them, it corrupted their hard drive and another one, it broke a computer that they were using to stream off Jeez. of. Um, people that were losing their uh, experience and people with pretty decent machines were getting terrible frame rate drop- droppings. Um, so the game was absolutely not ready and EA, I assume, pushed the company that developed it to put it out before it was ready and to run this demo. It's coming out about a week from now and it doesn't look like it's going to be working at launch. Um, Wait, an EA game broken at launch? Yeah, shocking, I know, right? But Perish this, the thought. <laughs> it it kind of made me think about how games are 
being released this way as a whole. The biggest example is Fallout 76, mm. and one of the best game critics out there, or game, um, I'll call him a game critic, yeah. His name is Joseph Anderson on YouTube. He's the best game reviewer slash critic there is. He has a video on Fallout 76 breaking down every point of it, and he put out a theory for why that game is still so broken that I thought was really interesting. And his idea is that there is somebody at Bethesda right now who's just following directions exactly from their superiors and not caring whether it's broken or not, just to spite the developers. And he has a, he has a few bits of evidence. One of them is um, some there was an update for the game that reintroduced a lot of the glitches that were patched out. <laughs> so most of the big glitches that were fixed... They updated the wrong version of the game, so they updated from an older version Great. and left all the bugs back in. Um, and then there was another quest where people on the server would randomly receive five cans of beans, and he thought this was a glitch, like he didn't know why. And it turns out there's a mission that you can do where people can work together to make a bunch of beans, and it gives everybody in the area beans, but it wasn't <laughs> implemented right, so people wouldn't know how to do that. And then that mission got patched out altogether, so now it just doesn't work and nobody gets beans. Wow. So that was another example of he he thought maybe developers were just saying, oh, they want me to fix it, I'll just take it out, whatever, just to spite their superiors, mm. which is a really good, like, there is no other reason for that game being so broken this far after launch. And even at development, that game was unexplicably broken in so many ways. So, like, are we as consumers in video games now used to games being broken and is that okay i don't think so because well just purely from like the outrage especially directed toward ea mm -hmm. like the whole battlefront 2 debacle like they're still not completely out of the woods with that like yeah. they've kind of fixed it but they built it on just like a broken base mm -hmm. so like i've stopped playing just because it's not really playable for me yeah but um it's yeah i don't know I don't the, know, that's actually kind of a tough question. There's been, like, a long line of games getting progressively more broken at launch. I'm trying to think. Of, the first one, the first big one I remember is Assassin's Creed Origins, mm -hmm. where characters just didn't have faces and cutscenes would just totally skip. Um, and I think since then, people have gotten more and more used to these games being broken, and now we've kind of hit a critical mass mm -hmm. where consumers aren't going to stand for it, and they're getting really upset, and a game breaking your computer is certainly unexcusable. Absolutely. So I, I think this right now is kind of the turning point where hopefully Bethesda listens for, what, what is their game, like Star something or like that? There's like a space game they're developing, and Elder Scrolls Six, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I hope they kind of take hint from how bad people reacted to 76 and make those, spend their time making those games as polished. I don't want to say as polished as their other games were because the other games were really broken too. Mm -hmm. but at least up to par with how Skyrim was. Um, maybe the, um, maybe on, like, the Fallout side, because we're getting that other... What's it called? The one that... It's in space. Yeah, I, that was the one I was trying like, to say. It's space New Vegas, basically. Yeah, basically. Oh, um, the one by the... Uh, yeah, it's the people that made the New other Vegas. Developers. Yeah. yeah, so, like, maybe they'll see that do better if that mm -hmm. game is good, and then they'll be like, well, shit, there's people doing Fallout better than the company that makes Fallout. Yeah. We got to step our game up. Yeah. So maybe that. Which they already did do Fallout better than Bethesda did Fallout, at least in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's that's all I have for gaming talk because really I'm kind of dejected by the whole thing right now. <laughs> uh, the good news is Resident Evil 2 and Kingdom Hearts 3 are getting good reviews. Uh, both games are working fine mm -hmm. and look great. So there there is hope and there are some companies who are putting out yeah. finished products.
I heard the company that made Titanfall 2 just dropped like a free battle royale game okay, that's so supposedly kind of fun. The interesting thing about that is a EA put out that game without telling anybody and Respawn, the company who made Titanfall 2, said that they had nothing to do with it. Really? So the guess is, and people are assuming that EA took the assets that Respawn made and then gave it to a different part of their company and redid it or published that what they had and reskinned it. But Respawn has said that they have nothing to do with what got put out. Although okay. that game is getting pretty decent reviews, um, and I'm going to go home and play it today, I think. Uh, we'll see, and we'll see what Respawn does, because apparently they didn't do this, I right. guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I have a whole lot else. I mean, I have... A couple things in rewatch play, but I don't know if you guys have anything else that Dude, I have you want to talk about or an incredible read watch play. Okay. Uh not really review, but things. Do, to if, talk we, about. if we want to get into that, if, yeah, if do you have anything any, else? Oh wait, we so do you want to talk about glass quick? We sure can. Yeah, yeah. okay. So a couple weeks ago we both saw glass, Farhan and I, separately, but we both saw it. What'd you think? Um it was it didn't go the way I expected it to. It was sort of like it started out you had you know what I'm saying? It's sort of setting up this world of having these three characters actually in the same movie now and actually having it focus kind of on all three of them, but at the same time, not yeah. really. I would say David Dunn didn't really get as much time and focus as I was expecting him to get. And the film was also a lot slower than I expected it to be. It was really slow. It, like, I kind of went in there sort of expecting more of a superhero movie mm-hmm. of, you know what I'm saying, actually seeing David Dunn and um, James McAvoy's character actually going at it. And you didn't really get a whole lot of that. It was maybe two scenes of them actually in confrontation with each other. Yeah. Um, it was more of just like this lady trying to convince them they don't have superpowers, but at the same time, it didn't really make sense for um for for them to do that the way the film ended. I yeah. just find it it was it was very weird the way the film went and some of the decisions that were made. I still say I'd enjoyed it. I like I, I think just based on performances alone, I thought um, Samuel Jackson's glass is phenomenal. James McAvoy, as always, being able to just—I don't know—I don't know what it is with that man, but he disappears into characters when I see. It. Like I don't see James McAvoy; I see whatever character he is on screen, which right. is very hard for of uh, you know a film star of his caliber to do. But I don't know; just the way it ended just didn't—I didn't feel satisfied with it. Yeah, I think it was interesting the ideas that he was that Shyamalan played with, like in the beginning of the movie, he's like. Mm-hmm what if all of these people are just crazy and like this lined up and this lined up and this lined up to where Bruce Willis is a bit stronger than your average guy. And mm-hmm. James McAvoy learned how to climb on a wall. What if you guys are just crazy? And like, you see that start to get into their heads. Mm-hmm. And then the third act is like, no, you're superheroes. Yeah. We're, we're not going to do that. We're just going to make you guys superheroes and you're going to fight in a parking lot. And I think it would have been more interesting if it would have been like, no, you guys are just, you're just regular people yeah. that are slightly above average, like people are prone to do. Mm-hmm. Like that guy can run really fast at the Olympics. He's not a speedster. He's mm-hmm. not a superhero. He's just fast. You're just kind of strong, Bruce Willis. As someone who has only skimmed the Wikipedia pages of these movies, haven't they established that they really do have powers before in this franchise? Like in the kind of what, what, what is the Bruce Willis Unbreakable? Movie? In Unbreakable, there's literally a scene where he bench presses like six or seven hundred pounds or like a thousand pounds. Like that's that's pretty cut and clear, like super strength. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, just just like the way that. And I thought that when they were when I learned that he could like 
touch you and like learn something about you. Like he like yeah. brushes the guy. He's like, oh, that guy's got a gun. Yeah, we need to like stop him. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was like, well, how are you how are you gonna explain that away? But like the lady was like very like psychiatric about it, and she's like. Some people are just really, really good at picking up subconscious tells that people give off. And it's like one in a thousand can do this and you might be that person. And just like, even with Bruce Willis benching a ton of weight, I think it would have been really interesting to just kind of play it that way. Yeah, that would have been but way more interesting. It was, movie, almost, I, think. I don't know, because on one hand it did pick up in the third act when I got more interested, but also it was kind of safe. It was kind of a safe thing to do. Like, no, they're just going to have a. They're just going to punch in the parking lot. They're just going to punch each other? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But, yeah, overall, I thought it was all right. Some of the dialogue wasn't very good, and Mm -hmm. the first couple acts were pretty slow. And he hit us with about four plot twists in about three minutes. Yeah, it was was a lot. I see. (laughs) That that ending was just a lot. And I... It almost felt like they got to the end and they had everybody fighting. They're like, okay, well, we need some way to wrap this up. And they kind of just stitched something together last minute Mm -hmm. and said, oh... We'll just throw this in there and see if that works. And it just, it was very out of nowhere. And it was like, this was never set up before this right. point. This was never established at any point. This is just randomly thrown in at the end. And I'm just supposed to just accept it. And it was, it was, I wasn't a big fan of the way the film went towards the third act. I enjoyed the first two acts. And I thought, you know, the way it opened with them introducing all three of them and then them being stuck to in the psych ward and how they interacted with the crew there and, you know, how they sort of had to each individually deal with their own battle of do I actually have powers? Do I not? All that. I thought that was phenomenal. Yeah. I just think when we got to the third act, the film just sort of forgot the right, like the, the previous two acts, we got to the third act film just said, screw it. We're going to go crazy now <laughs> and throw as many plot twists at you as humanly possible. And <laughs> I, I just thought, where, where did this come from? He should yeah. do a movie where there are, there is no plot twist. I don't, I don't think, think he's capable yeah, of doing he's, it. He's keep waiting capable. for it and it never happens. No, no, he did. It was called The Last Airbender and it was oh, yeah. the biggest crime that of the just 21st got century. Added to Hulu. You can yeah, watch I it. I saw that. I'm never going to. I <laughs> it have... got recommended for me. <sighs> I don't know. That is such... I, I went and saw that on my like 12th or 13th birthday. I have it on DVD. I was so excited. I loved Avatar. I still do love Avatar. Yeah, it's, it's one really of the best good. animated series ever. Yeah. That movie is no, it's not one of the worst good. movies that's ever been made. And like I thought about it the other day. I was thinking about it and I was like, I wonder if like there's like any redeeming factor about it. Like no. let's look up like Uncle Iroh scenes in that because like Uncle he's Iroh a really good is like, he's like a great character. He's like, no, there's not one a of the best characters in, in the movie, cartoon. No, no. You managed to mess up Uncle Iroh. He everything about it. Could have taken all of the dialogue from the show. Yep. And just put it in. Mm-hmm. Or like he could have reshot some scenes and just had like a shot for shot live action thing, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. But we, no. We should not talk about Avatar yeah, anymore. Okay. okay. All right. Um, yeah. Glass was fine. Yeah. I'm not I, a big Shyamalan fan, but it was all right. I liked it, but it's by far the worst of that trilogy. Yeah. I liked Split more. Yeah. I, but I, so on the way to the theater, I watched like a nine minute video explaining Unbreakable and Split, but I had already seen Split, so I stopped at that point. So it's like, just give me, just give me the synopsis of Unbreakable, and I was like, and I, I wasn't lost at any point in the movie. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm aware of what's going on, but it's, yeah. it's weird to me. Like, I assume the majority of the people who went and saw that movie have not seen both of the movies that came before yeah. it. Do they do anything to not explain really what's happening, or? 
Kind of a little bit. A like, little bit. There were little pieces of dialogue here saying, oh, this happened. And they were, you know, wrestling something. In like, hey, Bruce Willis, you survived a train crash yeah. back 20 years ago. Or so whatever. there's little hints here and there. But I feel like if you didn't see Unbreakable or Split, you'd have a very hard time following this movie. Because there are a lot and of references. And that's what they call bad direction. Yeah. I think. There's a lot of references and hints to stuff that you wouldn't get if you hadn't seen Unbreakable or Split. Yeah, yeah I remember. Quite a few people saw and enjoyed Split, yeah. so I think they they went in off of that. Yeah. And they were like, "Oh, Split! Like it's another Split movie. It's mm-hmm. it's James split McAvoy too. being fifty people." But yeah, yeah. I, I don't think, and I the majority of people who saw Split didn't even like walking out at the end. Yeah, they, they didn't the Unbreak- know. They had no idea what yeah. was going on with that Unbreakable like, connection hey, at all. They were Bruce like, Willis. Willis. Was like oh, "Why Bruce is Bruce Willis in this movie all of a sudden?" <laughs> yeah. So it, it was a very weird way for him to direct these three and sort of put them together. And I'm really surprised that a studio let him do that. Mm-hmm. Well, he funded this movie himself. Did he really? Yeah, he yeah. used his yeah. own money, and then um, I think the studio was going to reimburse him if it made its money back, <laughs> something mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, like, the risk was all on him, and I think he just really wanted to make the end of his superhero franchise, which, this is, of the three superhero franchises out, if you aggregated all of the IMDb scores, this might not be the lowest. This might be higher than DC. (laughs) It might actually be higher than DC if you aggregated all the scores. My theory about Glass is that it's going to be, it's going to become a new BVS with, like, hardcore fans of it on Twitter calling yeah. you an idiot if you didn't like it. Like, mm-hmm. you just didn't get, you didn't get it. it. You didn't get what he was trying to say. He's a genius. No, I got what he was trying to say. The ending was just garbage. Yeah. It's like, unfortunately, I got all two hours of it. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, that's glass. Yeah, it no. Was, it was fine. It was, it was fine. Could have been, my, my main frustration is that it could have been a lot better. With yeah. just a little bit better script writing and direction and just an overall yeah. better idea for a third act and also more screen time for the person who's supposed to, I mean, I understand the film's called glass and the, it focuses more on that, but David Dunn took more of a backseat than he should have considering this is the first time we're seeing this character since unbreakable. Right. We needed to see more of him. And I think a, a lot, of, I think too much of the film in the psychiatric hospital tried to focus on James McAvoy and, Glass to where David Dunn was just like, yeah, he's here. We'll, you know, pan back to him a few times just so you don't forget that he's in the movie. Mm. But he really doesn't do a whole lot. I think that's a, that's a symptom of Bruce Willis phoning in every performance he's done for that's the past, who, like, five yeah. years. He was that's good who. in the movie with... I can't remember. What is... It's the time travel movie. Oh, Looper. Looper. He was good in Looper. Okay. I liked Looper. I highly recommend Looper. That's a good sci-fi movie. Okay. Cool. Are we... Ready for reading? Watch, yeah, and play. read, watch, play. I've been, I've spent all day trying to formulate my thoughts on the IP I'm about to drop on this podcast. Okay, go for it. Yesterday, last night, and this morning, I've watched an entire season of an anime called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Okay. Now you should not watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure unless you really like anime. Okay. If you don't like anime, don't watch this movie because you're gonna hate it. Okay. Th- this animated series. Tells the story of a family of vampire hunters. See, I don't even know for sure. But it each season is a member of this family called the Joe Stars. And it tells their story about dealing with this vampire problem. And the first season, uh, the main character gets an adopted brother. And he feuds with them. And it flashes forward. And I'm not going to talk about uh, what happens after that. But all of the characters are extremely flamboyant. They all explain what they're doing and what's happening, and they're all extremely jacked. Like, so jacked, 
that I think the people who drew it made up new muscles to draw okay. because they're inhumanly jacked. Uh, it's hilarious because it makes fun of a lot of anime tropes and like them, they will spend minutes describing what's happening to them. They're like, this guy's stabbing me for this reason and I should have done this. And then it like flashes back and then it flashes forward and it keeps describing it. And it's, it's off the wall. It's ridiculous. It, I, I loved every second of it. So if you do like anime, you should watch Jojo's Bizarre Adventure because it's hilarious. Okay. Um, for me, I went back, I don't, I've been on this game for a minute and it's actually kind of sad, but I went back to trying to finish Shadow of War, got through a decent amount of it. I'm still nowhere close to being done and I've had this game for almost two years. Is it the sequel to Shadow of Mordor? Yeah. Those games are really hard. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it And especially when you don't have a whole lot of time to play them, you kind of just got to like do like, you know, little, like complete little sections here and there. And for a game that expansive, it is going to take you a minute. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm still, unfortunately, working on that. Okay. Freshman year, one of my friends beat Shadow Mortar by accident. By accident? <laughs> he got on my Xbox, and I had done everything but the last, like, two missions, and I got back from class. He's like, dude, I think I beat this game, and I looked, and there were credits. I'm like, how did you beat this? I've been trying to do this for months. It was, I was so yeah, angry. I just stumbled into it. And he's like, yeah, I just beat it by accident. All right. Well, I beat Red Dead. Nice. What did you think of it? It the It was... It was sad, but it was like it was kind of really nice. Sad. Like my honor was like really high, so it was it was a good. The, did you beat the prologue or did you beat the story? I beat the story. Okay, the prologue is a slog, dude. I was gonna say because I, I'm in the first chapter of the epilogue, and boy is it slow. I thought mm. Red Dead was slow. Boy oh. is this freaking slow. It's all like that. Yeah, it's terrible. I, all the way. Yeah. Is there at any point where I can just like go explore and do stuff? Um, you can do it after you beat it. Oh, or, well, there is a little bit, but you don't really right. want to. You want to get it out of the way. Right. It's about eight hours. The epilogue is eight yes. hours. There are two. <sighs> there are two epilogues. Yeah, I know. Um, There's two chapters. I. So the ending of, the ending of Red Dead is one of my favorite. Like I've said this before, Arthur is my favorite fictional character ever written mm-hmm. that I've ever experienced, and I love the ending with super high honor because mine was that way too, and I think it's a perfect send off for that character. And then you play as John, and you're miserable for eight hours, and then you really just want to go back and load your Arthur save and play as him, which is what I recommend doing. Mm. But you can beat it. I would just tear through it. Don't do any of the side stuff. Just okay. get it out of the way. Yeah. Um, or watch someone play it on YouTube. Yeah, I might do that. Um, I've also I bought Ace Combat Seven because I like planes, I and I was like, is. it's it's. Did so, you buy that on Steam or no? I bought good it, old games. It, I bought it on PlayStation. Okay. So it's like an arcade-ish game where it's just fighter planes. It's just mm-hmm. fighter plane combat. There's a story. I don't know what it is. <laughs> don't really care. <laughs> it's just like weird anime stuff. Okay. It's like, I don't care. I just want. Get back to is it like a Japanese game? Yes. Okay. It was made in Japan, and like all of like the characters, like when you see like the character models, they look kind of like anime. Mm-hmm. But the planes are gorgeous. The environments are like absolutely like beautiful. Like you can go to first person mode, and like you can see all the instruments in your cockpit. You fly through a cloud, and there's like water droplets on the canopy That's crazy. and stuff. It's really really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I gonna say about it? It's set in like it's not Earth. You're not like the, you're not like the U.S. Air Force. It's it's just a, a planet, different planet. different continents, different anime countries or whatever. And you'd think that these countries would have like a parallel, right? So mm-hmm. like one is the U.S., one is like Europe, one is like Russia. No, they all have American accents, <laughs> at least in the dubbed version. I think you can do it subbed, and they all speak Japanese. But whatever. 
So it's like everybody is flying everything. You can be like in an F-15, which is American. You can have Russian and European <laughs> planes in your squadron. I like that they just threw it out the window. Shooting down American planes and just like, it's it's weird. And there's like crazy huge super weapons. They made a choice. Stuff. It's very like over the top. They prioritized fun over yeah, everything. Absolutely, and I love yeah. when games do that. No, it's just, we're going to give you gorgeous models of basically every fighter plane on Earth. And just go nuts. That's really just cool. like there's like a skill tree. Just do your thing. There's fighters that are like strictly air to air. There's attack planes that are better for hitting stuff on the ground. And there's multi role where it's like a bit of everything. And you gotta like prioritize your points and stuff, and just unlock planes and just blow shit up. It's fun. I will never play that, but I'm so glad that it exists because it's there's really cool. absolutely a place for that. Yeah. Um, I unlocked the F-14, which is the plane in Top Gun. Okay. And um, it's like the second or third plane, and the entire mission that I got it i was playing danger zone nice it was very satisfying very touch we got yeah, that spotify so. app in the background yeah i was just, just blasting danger zone nice. it's good stuff and i got back into spider-man because i love that game and i have a new game plus mode so i'm just going through slowly and fighting villains and punching people and it's a bit of fun hmm. and i mentioned handmaid's tale that i'm watching that and it's pretty good okay. all right cool that should do it for this week you can find us on facebook and twitter at raving geeks you can find us on basically every podcasting app out there i use overcast when i had an iphone so i recommend that app i use the apple podcast app because i'm normie scum. i recommend not using that app. yeah um, <laughs> that app is broken yeah and you can find us on cm-life.com with all of our other podcasts jeremy has a different podcast i do it's called in it together if you like politics or if you don't know anything about politics it's a really good place to start learning about it so until next week same bad time same bad channel